Hello and welcome to my Mamahood Chats. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa, creator and host of the Healthy Hustlers podcast and mum to my beautiful baby girl, Georgia Florence. Motherhood, as beautiful and magical as it is, is also overwhelming, exhausting and a massive guessing game. One thing I know for sure is having a supportive community of like-minded mamas you can lean on is one of the greatest gifts on this journey. And I want you to know that this is your network, this is your community, this is your mama gang. Mamahood is a series of empowering and nourishing chats designed to give you the confidence to trust your own maternal instincts, listen to your inner knowing and truly believe you have all the answers you need within. During these chats, I'm joined by nurturing, conscious and influential mamas, where through their lens, we share thoughts, learnings and insights into motherhood with the aim of showing you that there is no right or wrong, there is no rule book, there is no one way. Everyone's journey is unique and that is what makes it so damn special. It's time to do motherhood on your terms. Together, let's harness our own unique mamahood superpowers, lift each other up and rewrite the rule books. Do you need a new way to feel inspired and motivated to move your body and nurture your mind? Then you need to get your hands on one of Move by Brit, which has been created by mama and influencer Brit Noonan's incredible mantra mats. They're made from recycled rubber base and they have this beautiful soft suede top. It makes them not only beautiful, but also so incredibly comfortable. They provide the perfect grip for exercise or yoga or the perfect position to sit while you're meditating. You can get one of the Move by Brit mantra mats by clicking the link in the show notes after this episode. Today, I'm joined by the absolutely divine Amelia Webb. Amelia is a makeup artist here in Melbourne who has a very loyal and adoring online community who love her makeup tips and tricks, as well as following her beautiful and nurturing motherhood journey. Amelia is mum to two-year-old Aston, and earlier this year, Amelia shared the very exciting news with her 60,000-plus audience that her partner Nick and Aston had a new member joining their family, another baby boy to love and cherish. But at 17 weeks, Amelia and her beautiful family experienced the devastating loss of their child. I want to place a trigger warning on this episode, as Amelia does bravely and openly share her journey with losing their son, Tommy. We share many joyful and happy moments through this conversation, including Amelia's magical birth moment with her firstborn, Aston. However, given that miscarriage and loss is experienced by so many, I wanted to create a safe space for Amelia to share Tommy's story in the hope that it will help others who may be struggling so they don't feel alone. Here's Amelia. Hello, beautiful Amelia. I'm so, so excited to finally have you on the Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I feel very honoured to have been asked. (laughs) Of course, I adore you and adore following your journey. Um, And I know we've spoken about this for quite a while, so I'm so glad that we could could finally make it happen. Um, But I guess, you know, juggling mum life and work is a true Mm -hmm. reality for both of us. So Mm -hmm. um, no, it's a really nice timing. I guess to get started, do you want to tell us just a little bit about you and your beautiful family? So I am a makeup artist. Um, Also, I am a mum to my son, Aston, and also a partner to, well, no, I'm a fiancé now, aren't I? (laughs) To uh, my fiancé, Nick. Um, So 
I'm actually originally from Adelaide, but I have lived in Melbourne for coming on nearly like 11 years now. Um, So all of my family are back in Adelaide and I met my partner here and we have really settled here now and yeah, we're really, really loving it. (laughs) Oh, that's so good to hear. I saw one of your posts recently where you were saying how you really didn't like Melbourne when you first moved here. And um, I guess knowing you now and knowing how much you kind of like love Melbourne and suit the Melbourne lifestyle, I was like, oh, it's so funny to think, you know, like obviously that transition would have been so big coming to a whole new state. What made you actually move to Melbourne in the first place? It was actually one of my ex-boyfriends. So one of my ex-boyfriends, like I've got heaps, but (laughs) my ex-boyfriend, his work brought us over here and I'd always wanted to move to Melbourne. We do lots of trips over here with my mum and I literally said to my mum once when I was here, when I was younger, I was just like, I'm going to move there one day. Um, so when his job brought us over here, I was just like, I'm going to go. That relationship obviously didn't last, which was definitely for the best. Um, but when we <laughs> broke up, I was just like, no, I'm going to stay here. Um, I had really like established my makeup business at that point and it was getting really, really busy. So I was just like, no, I'm going to stay. And I didn't really look back. I, when I first moved here, I didn't know anyone. I was very, very on my own. I literally had like one friend, I think, and I was previously in an office job. So I struggled to get work when I first came over. It took me a little while and I was kind of really hoping that I would like make friends through my office job and like meet new people that way. Um, and that just didn't happen. And then I eventually found a job and I kind of took it because I just didn't have any other options. And it was a job in the office, literally like as a receptionist on my own, there was no one else in the office. And I was like, this sucks. I remember calling my mum being like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so lonely. And I was just like, I'm just so unhappy. I'm just, it's not, I think I need to come home. And my mum said to me, she's like, Amelia, you need to give it at least six months. She's like, if you hate it in six months, she's like, let's get you home. So I gave it six months and literally I reckon it went, got to like seven months or something. And I was like, I freaking love it here. (laughs) (laughs) I'd moved jobs and I had made more friends and I had started to like, yeah, have my little connections with people. So um, it got better after that. So I'm very, very glad that my mum told me to stick it out for the six oh. months. Otherwise, I probably would have gone home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so good. But it is, it's such a process, you know, I think yeah. sometimes we like, you know, and we do it everything in life when you kind of like romanticise things. I know mm-hmm. I've done it so much with like travel and, you yeah. know, opportunities and you like fantasise and romanticise about this opportunity and then it happens and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, that kind of didn't work. That didn't start the way I was I was hoping or imagined it to. I was thinking it was going to be like all the trips and stuff that I had yeah. gone on to Melbourne where I was just like, yeah, you're obviously with people too and you're like, yeah. Totally. <laughs> you're not so totally. isolated. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we it was. it's funny, like I can kind of resonate and I know I was saying this to you at the start, but even when we moved to Geelong, like I'd really, yeah. and it's only an hour away, but I'd really like built it up in my head to be this like big moment. And then we did it and I was like, oh, oh. just like, <laughs> this just like in be. another place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, can you talk to me about when you become a mum for the first time? And I guess those early stages of motherhood for you. So... Aston is now two, so he turned two in September, um, so obviously two years ago, and my partner Nick and I had only been together, I think about 
six months um, before we had fallen pregnant with him. So he was a little bit of a surprise. Nick and I hadn't even moved in together at that point. So it was a big, big, big surprise for us. I had known at that point that I wanted to be with Nick and he was going to be like my (laughs) boyfriend forever or partner forever, like long term. But we both obviously, because we hadn't been in each other's space for a really long time. And now that we're having a baby, we were kind of just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, but once we got past the shock and everything of it, we found a home, we moved in together and it was just, it was really, really amazing actually, to be honest, because he was a really incredible support for me because I was really quite sick with Aston. I get quite sick with my pregnancy. So I was just... (laughs) terrible mess um emotion like pregnancy emotions and hormones going through your body and then I'm vomiting every single day just being so sick Um, so once Aston was born oh it was just like the most incredible experience of my life and he has completely changed both of our lives and he's just been the most incredible surprise that we could ever ever ask for I feel very very lucky he was an okay newborn he was had really bad colic and reflux didn't like sleeping. <laughs> um, so that was a, obviously a very, very challenging time for both Nick and I, but I feel like we work really well as a team and we kind of got through supporting each other through that time because it definitely was very, very hard yeah. um, considering he was so colicky and refluxy and mm. the sleeping wasn't very fun. But I had the support. So his family's from Ballarat, so we had the support from his family, which was great. I kind of struggled having not any family just around the corner though. So you know how you want to call your mum or you want to call your dad and you just be like, can you just come over for like two hours just while I have a quick nap or do the washing or do something? We didn't have that. So we were kind of relying on each other to kind of help manage that and then kind of booking in the family in Ballarat to kind of, can you come up in two days time or whatever? Because it was, it's obviously not easy for them to just pop in. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, so it definitely was really, really challenging. But then I think once we got like a good sleeping plan in a big, I guess a, a routine, which kind of happened at about four months, I think. Mm-hmm. And things started to yeah get more routine with him. I started to feel like, okay, we're getting somewhere here. So yeah, the newborn stage was definitely really, really hard, but we got there. <laughs> got there. I know. And it's so, you almost forget it so quickly as well, don't you? Yeah. I always find that the craziest part. I'm like, when you're in it, it just seems like the fog is so oh, thick and it feels like so you're never, ever going to get out. Nah. And then you get to the other side and you're like, I don't know, oh. you just forget it instantly. It's almost like yeah. birth. Like, it, I know. It's so hard and it's so intense. But then as soon as you're holding that baby, it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> I have so, so many wild. people tell me that like before when I was obviously pregnant with him and like I was so scared of birth and so scared, like so, so scared and I had followers and people messaging me being like, you, you'll you give birth and then you'll forget. And I was just like, yeah. what, like how do you just forget? And now that I'm there, I'm like, yeah, you actually really do. <laughs> you do, don't you? It's so crazy. Yeah. And what was birth, what was the birth experience like for you? I was very, very lucky. I had quite a a good birth. I originally 
knew that I wanted the epidural. I was just like, because yeah. oh, I have my pain threshold is shocking, like terrible. So I was like, I want the epidural. And I was just like, and I kind of said that I didn't want a water birth because I'm just not a water person. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't enjoy water. I don't enjoy baths. I was just like, and this was at the start of the pregnancy when you're putting like your little plan together with the hospital. And then to the end of the pregnancy when like obviously you start to get really uncomfortable and you're tired all the time, I started to have baths and I was just like, random but I really enjoyed them and I felt like they were just really relaxing and I was like this is really nice so when I went into labor I went into labor one day before Aston's due date got to the hospital once I had reached I don't know however where you're at the point where you're like okay he's coming (laughs) um and they literally just said to me do you want to get in the bath and I was like oh and I think at that point I was just going with whatever and I had the gas at that point and I was like can I take the gas with me and they're like yeah you can have the gas in the bath and I was like all right great because the gas was working for me like it was okay but it was giving me yeah it was and it it didn't make me feel sick like some other women it does make them feel sick where it was actually quite good for me and it was giving me something to kind of do too like and be distracted with that and then I had the TENS machine which was amazing so I got in the bath and once I got in the bath, it was again, I was quite nice. I'm like, not nice, but like, I don't know. Like, no, it was a relaxing, off. Yeah, yeah, on my, my body and I, I didn't get out. So he was born in the bath and I got to a point though, where I was like, you know, that transition stage where you're like, I can't do this. I'm dying. <laughs> I was like, give me the epidural. Why is it giving me the epidural? <laughs> I was screaming for it, but they were like, he's nearly here. He's nearly here. It's too late for you to have the epidural. And I was like, no. It's like you're the worst thing you can hear in labor. It's too yeah. late. It's like, no. You're like, you can't what be. Do you <laughs> And then I was starting to get like obviously really tired at that point and I was just like I can't push anymore and then obviously that was at the point where he was like nearly there. And, yeah, I gave birth to him in the bath. I literally like pulled him out. Oh, my God, and that's amazing. if you ask any of my girlfriends, that is just not something that you would think <laughs> I would ever do. <laughs> when I told them, they were like, what? <laughs> I was like, I know. <laughs> So it was pretty, it was really, really special and really beautiful. And I'm glad that I did get through it and that I had that experience because, yeah, I do look back on that now and just think how lucky I was to kind of have that with him. And yeah, he was just perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so amazing. And did you do any, because you had mentioned earlier that you were nervous or a bit scared, a bit anxious about birth. Did you do any work on your mindset or anything during that period to get to the point where, you know, you were feeling more comfortable with birth or was it kind of just like a bit of a natural process as you got closer? Yeah, it was just a natural process before I got closer. I didn't actually do anything. I think I, yeah, I just kind of just went with it. Like I just. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I didn't really do anything. I sh- What's that? Um. Oh, where you birthing? It's not birthing classes. It's that other one that helped hypnobirthing. Yeah, I was going yeah. to do that, and I just didn't because then I thought I was just like, I'm not very good sometimes with doing things like that and like changing my mindset to kind of. And I was just like, how am I going to do that in birth when I was just like, you've got no control over any everything. Totally. And I was just like, I just didn't want to set myself up, set myself up for disappointment if that wasn't going to happen that way. So I kind of just had, I was just like, I know that birth 
just doesn't go to plan. So I was just like, let's just not set myself up for disappointment. If I had, I was just like, let's just go with whatever happens. I was like, if I have to have a cesarean, I'm going to have to have a cesarean. That's going to be the safest way to get my baby out. I was like, if I have to have intervention, then I'm going to have to have it like whatever. I just kind of trusted the professionals to do whatever happens um, at the time. So that was kind of how I was thinking throughout the pregnancy. And birth. I think that is so beautiful to hear, actually. And it's it's funny because I did the hypnobirthing and I can completely resonate with what you said about almost feeling like you failed. And there's like I loved it and I, you know, mm. loved the philosophy of it. But there was then work in for me having to remind myself that it doesn't matter if it doesn't go the way yeah. I want it to. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like and I had inter- interventions. I had the um episiotomy in the end which obviously in hypnobirthing they advise against yeah but I had to be comfortable in that moment to just exactly what you said know that this was going to be the safest way to get my baby out and every birth is special in its own way no matter exactly you know how it happens yeah and so yeah I really like that you touched on that because I think that's Mm. such an important Mm -hmm. point I think especially for your first time you know we can we don't know like we don't know what how our body is going to respond or, you know, like some people, like some of my girlfriends have had like first babies, like literally 40, 35, 40 minute labors. Yeah. And I had like four day labor. Like it's just, we're all so different, you know? So it's like, it's so hard to prepare for that. Exactly. Now you mentioned you're a makeup artist, but I guess besides mum life and being mum to beautiful Aston, who's Amelia? What do you, you know, who are you at your core? What do you do with your time? (laughs) So yeah, I am a makeup artist. That is my business. I own my own business and it was has been the best thing that I ever did. So like I said just before, I previously was in an office job and I just wasn't loving it and I didn't see a career in the future in office work for me because I just was that typical person where I was just like I hated getting up in the morning and going <laughs> to my job and I was like, is this what my life's going to be? I definitely met a lot of beautiful people through my office jobs though. Like I, I definitely had some really, really good office jobs. I just didn't necessarily like the work. And yeah. then I had a girlfriend and she was like, you're good at makeup. She's like, why don't you do a makeup course? And I was like, how am I going to fit this in? And then I found one that I could do online and that I could do while I was working my office job. So I signed up to it. And I loved it. I'm not someone that likes study. I hate study, but I loved studying my makeup course. Like I, every night I'd come home and I'd just be like, oh my God, I'm so excited to get online and study. <laughs> um, so then I started my business after I finished that and it kind of just took off from there and I got into the wedding industry. And I think once I got into there, that's where it really took off. So I was doing my office job and then my makeup work on the weekend. So I was pretty much working seven days a week for quite a long time. And I just absolutely did way too much. And then I just got into an, what do you call it? Where I was just like, I just have nothing left now. And I was kind of really dreading the makeup work because it was just so such long hours on the weekend. And I was traveling so much and I was like, Oh, I just need some rest. And then I ended up, quitting my my office job to focus right on makeup and at that time I was so scared because I was like I don't know if this is going to work like this could be the worst decision I ever made I've got like an income that I know I'm going to get the same amount into my bank account every week I was just like I've got a good routine with that I was like now I'm going to go to 
not being able to know how much I'm going to be earning each week. But I think taking that risk was the most incredible risk I've ever taken. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I did it because it has worked out for the best and I'm still doing it how many years on. And it works really well now with um, being a mum with Aston. Like it works because I can spend the week with him. I I spend a lot of time with him where um, if I was working office work, he'd have to probably be in childcare Monday through to Friday, which is so fine. Like he loves childcare, but it's nice to be able to spend that time with him. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. And I guess when it comes to parenting, do you and Nick have a bit of a parenting philosophy or what's your kind of style? I was actually watching that parental guidance (laughs) um, show on TV the other day and I was like, said to Nick the other day, what's our parental style? And I was like, I actually don't know what it is. I was like, (laughs) I think we're just really, again, like I said, with my planning for my birth, just maybe really relaxed and just kind of going with whatever and how he is. Like I find that he's quite a sensitive little boy and he's quite, caring and I don't know like now that they're two you know how you can really see their little personalities like grow and like you can see them now playing with other little kids and you can see like how he interacts I find that really amazing to see now that he can do that (laughs) he's allowed to see other kids but even like speaking to some of the teachers at, at childcare, they've even said the same thing where he's just really sweet and lovely and kind and like oh, I love that. Yeah, we just kind of go with whatever. That's so nice. <laughs> he does I run think... the joint a bit. <laughs> oh, don't worry. So does Georgia. We call her the queen. We're like, oh my goodness. Honestly, just... I was like, there's no oh, point fighting seriously. with you because it just makes me too stressed out. <laughs> so that's exact. Oh my god, I totally feel the same. It's so funny, Georgia's. I think because I drive her all the time in, in my car. Yeah. But on the weekends, Ryan's with us, and she started getting really upset if Ryan start wants to drive the car. Oh my god! Go, no, Dad. No, Mummy. Mummy. No, and like get really, really emotional about it, and we just like, I'm like, oh my god, I don't want to upset her. <laughs> like, so you're like, sorry, even on the weekend. Yes, I know we're going to Melbourne, and Ryan hates me driving. And I oh no, the whole way to Melbourne, and Ryan sat in the back with her, and I'm like, oh my god, she's <laughs> such a queen. Like, it's just so. But that's you just kind of have to do it at this age, don't totally. you? Because I'm like, I've there's been a number of times where I'm like, no, you can't do like, and I was yeah. just like, but he just doesn't listen, and then the tantrums start, and you're just like. <laughs> Okay, it's just easier to just <laughs> to oh go with goodness. whatever you said. <laughs> so true. I know. And that's what I'm like, oh, do we need to find these boundaries or like, yeah. I don't know, does it just establish itself? Because I'm like, at the yeah. moment she thinks she can do whatever she I wants. I know. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, surely it just works itself out eventually. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So I totally resonate with what you're saying there. I was saying to my girlfriend the other day, like he's starting to really do the whole, if I tell him no, he'll look yeah. at me and be like, I'm still going to do that. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, Aston. But I was like, what's, how do I, what do I do in that situation where he actually is doing something really, really naughty and I keep telling him no and like then I get yeah. angry and then I get frustrated and I was just like, I don't want to get angry and frustrated at you. But I was like, it's the only way to tell you no. So now I so think good. I've got to like try and distract him with something else. So if he's yes. doing something, I'll be like, okay, Aston, we're going to go now over to your bike at outside Mm. like do you want to do that instead of getting angry at him and saying no firmly because like he's just not gonna listen (laughs) totally I know I've started to try with Georgia and I don't think it's really working but a lot of the time I'll be like no Georgia and then she'll do it again and I'll say Georgia 
mum is going to use her angry voice if you don't stop doing yes. this. And she looks at me like, come on then. And then I do yeah. it. And she always, does exactly she'll either ball her eyes out or laugh at me. And I'm like, yes. oh, neither a good response. Really. <laughs> it's not helping me at all. <laughs> So I'm like, oh my goodness, it's two-year-old, seriously. Or he's like, um, you know how you're talking about like sharing and stuff. Now when we're doing, we t- try and take something off of him. He goes, no, mummy, share. Mummy, oh. share. And I'm like, well, it, no, it's mine. <laughs> but that's what we obviously tell him. <laughs> totally. They're so savvy. They're seriously so oh, switched on. It's crazy. Aren't they? So switched I on. I never expected it at such a young age either. I'm no, like, oh, neither. my goodness, this is wild. Like, yeah. how are you this smart at so young? Like, yeah. I know, it's crazy. We'll be right back after this healthy break. Okay, mamas, if you don't already follow Brit Noonan on Instagram, then please do yourself a favour and jump on her Instagram page and hit follow. You can thank me later. Secondly, if you need a new way to feel inspired and motivated to move your body and nurture your mind in 2022, then you need to get your hands on one of Brit's incredible mantra mats. Made of recyclable rubber base and this amazing soft suede top, these mats are not only beautiful, but they are also so incredibly comfortable, providing the perfect grip for exercise, yoga, or to position yourself on while you meditate. I've been using mine daily with Georgia, who has a mini mantra mat, and they are such a beautiful way to inspire movement and a moment of self-care, either alone or with your little one in tow. They're the perfect mat to either move your body through exercise, stretching, yoga, or to slow your mind through meditation, journaling, or reading. Brit has very kindly offered all Healthy Hustler podcast listeners 25% off the adult mats when you use the code MADELINE25 at checkout. I've written the code and provided a link in the show notes below. So all you need to do is click the link in the show notes and use the code MADELINE25 to get your hands on one of the Move by Brit mantra mats today. I want to get into another topic, which is probably a lot more sensitive and I know, yeah, still re- very raw for you to talk about mm-hmm. um but a few months ago you did lose your second son Tommy mm-hmm. and I know I said to you before but like I just can't even begin to fathom the roller coaster of emotions you must have felt and, and continue to feel you know on a daily basis but you have been so incredibly strong with you know sharing your journey in order to really help other people who are struggling or may have you know experienced that loss before. Do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about Tommy's story? Yeah, of course. I love when people obviously ask me to share it and want me to share it because I feel like it's an honor for me to do that. So we felt we planned to have Tommy. So we, which was really quite nice actually, because obviously Aston was a bit of a surprise. So this time, obviously Nick and I got to sit down and we were kind of like, okay, (laughs) should we try and have another baby? Do you think it's time? And we were quite lucky. So when we first tried, we got pregnant straight away with him, which I was not expecting at all. I was kind of thinking it would take a little bit longer or, yeah. So when we first, when it happened straight away, we were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is okay. This is happening now. This is getting exciting. Um, and again, I was really sick. I thought this time around, I was like, oh, I might, the miracle might happen and I might not be sick, but no, it was worse this time. Oh, <laughs> and no. I was like, oh my gosh. But I was having a completely fine pregnancy. So every, like all my scans, everything was completely fine. But then I, I don't know how many weeks I was, but I had started to spot like a little tiny bit. 
And I'd obviously never had that with Aston and, and I kind of didn't think anything of it because then I went and had another scan and she, this, the lady that scanned me actually asked me, have you had any bleeding? And I was like, actually, I have. I was like, just a little tiny bit though, like it's not like anything heavy or just a little tiny spotting. And it wasn't like it was happening all day, like it would just kind of happen maybe in the morning and then it wouldn't come back. And she was like, oh, that's completely fine. She's like, that can happen in pregnancies, which I have heard it can happen. You can actually bleed throughout your whole pregnancy and you can have a completely fine pregnancy. So I wasn't concerned about it at all, and especially because all of the scans that I had had at that point, which I don't even know, I think I had three or something, that would all come back completely fine. I can't I can't remember if I had, was told in my last scan I had a low-lying placenta, Mm-hmm. which I found out at the hospital, but I didn't. Re- I can't remember if I was told that or not. Um, okay. But we were on a holiday in Lawn actually and I had woken up to extreme. I went to bed with cramping and I was like, mm. this, is, this is quite painful, this doesn't feel right, and I was just really exhausted. And then I woke up in the morning and I, and I had had a big bleed and it was like a lot and quite like clotty. And I was like, okay, this is not good. And then all of a sudden the cramping just got worse and worse and worse. So we drove from Lawn to the Geelong Hospital at like 5 a.m. in the morning, got to the hospital and they checked him and he was all fine. So he was completely happy moving around. I was for sure that we'd lost him then. And um, then when they did all the internal checks and everything they had seen that I had was, was bleeding and I had a low lying placenta, but they were like, look, we think you'll just need to just pass this blood and that, um, you should be fine to go home tomorrow, but we're going to, because you have lost a lot of blood, we'll keep you overnight for monitoring and see how you go, blah, blah, blah. And I don't actually really know at that point if they had known what was going to happen, but Mm. no one seemed concerned and kind of worried about it. Um, so I was moved to this random room. I was in like the recovery for surgery. It was a very, very strange room, but they just didn't really have any room for me. I don't think. And then I had woken up the next morning and the cramping started again and it was really quite bad. So they gave me just some like pain relief. And then all of a sudden I got up and my waters broke and my waters didn't break with Aston. So I actually didn't know what it was. Mm. I was kind of like, I thought it was the blood passing at the start. I was like, I think that's what's yeah. happening. And then when I got up, it was like a gush. So it was a big, like, it was a big one. Break. And I was yeah, like, okay. oh, and it just kept going. And I was just like, maybe I'm, I'm not weighing myself. Surely I'm not weighing myself. And then next minute, that's when everyone kind of rushed in. And then the cramping got worse. And then they were like, we're um, um, taking you down to the birth suite. And that's when it kind of hit me that I knew I was losing him because mm. I kind of obviously you hear about people losing babies and I kind of like maybe had it. Uh, I was thinking maybe he'll be okay. Like if he is born, like maybe we can save him. But I think that was just me having hopeful thinking like he was only 17 weeks, so he was tiny. Um, and, yeah, he was born and... He was just per- like he was perfect. He was a beautiful little boy and um, he was just really, really sad that um, like it was just my body that kind of didn't, couldn't keep him in there, which was just 
really hard to kind of get around I think afterwards considering like he was so perfect um Mm -hmm. like I kind of like because you obviously at 17 weeks as well like they're they're really really tiny but he still had like all of his little features and um it's, it's quite confronting obviously seeing a little baby at that point but like you can still see everything and like what he would have kind of looked like and um he was had very similar features to Aston. So I kind of was thinking like maybe something was wrong with him and like maybe, yeah, but like obviously seeing him and seeing everything, like he was just perfect. So it ended up being because you obviously have to, you, you can opt to do the full autopsy if you want to and I initially didn't want to do that and I was just like I can't yeah. do that to him. But then we had another doctor come in and also I spoke to actually one of my girlfriends and she was like, I think it would give you your own peace of mind to just at least see what, what could happen, like what, what happened. Um, And the doctor was just like, I think if you want to, and at that point, like you just like, I don't, I can't plan ahead, but she said, if you do want to have other babies, she's like, I do recommend having an autopsy so then we can really find out what kind of happened. And um, I am very grateful that I did do that because we obviously found out like more that I don't think we would have found out just by my bloods. So they do obviously yeah, all the okay. your bloods on you and they check you. And it ended up coming back. And because I had a low lying placenta that was bleeding, I had a bacteria infection that got into him. And now that I've done my research, the bacteria infection that I had is actually within 80% of women, but it's one of those bacteria that's just very common and completely fine in pregnancy. So because I had had Aston and I didn't have a low-lying placenta that was bleeding, that's why I had a perfectly fine pregnancy with him. But because I had the bacteria, somehow even my doctor said to me, well, the lady, she's like, even for the bacteria to get into him is literally one in three million people. Oh so goodness. what happened is just so rare and just everything that happened to you was just so uncommon so there actually would have been no way that you could have prevented it because I think you just want answers I think like after like I was just like what happened what could I have done differently like was it something that I ate was it something that I like did I put myself in a position to of something but once we kind of got that information like I was it was good in a way because I knew that it was something that would be fine if we were to get pregnant again. So it's easily treated. My doctor even said, she's like, we don't necessarily have to treat this. So she's like, because you can have another pregnancy that could be completely fine. It's just if you had a low-lying placenta next time, she's like, maybe we would then monitor you a bit more. And she's like, necessarily, yeah. ne- you like the bleeding from that she's like you might not have that next time so but I think she's like she said for your own peace of mind she's like let's just treat you which is literally like a seven-day antibiotics is easily treated and then it's just gone but I think if we were to get pregnant again I would obviously make sure that like they check on all of these things just to make sure but like she said it's like one in three million so she's like for it to happen again she's like it's just that would just be it probably yeah. won't happen. Yeah. And so did that give you some form of comfort knowing that? Like has that helped your yeah. space a little bit? Yeah. yeah, it definitely has. Like I 
because you just think like the absolute worst that it's going because now that we're in the headspace to kind of talk about having another baby like we Mm. we obviously do want a brother or sister for Aston and that was our plan and that we wanted to make sure that it would be okay to for the next time and that it is something that can be monitored and can be I can still obviously get pregnant again well hopefully I don't I don't know if I can when we start trying um but it is something that, like I said, it can be treated and it has been it has been treated, so it's not something yeah. that's long-term or something that's going to be really, really high risk or concerning for my next pregnancy. Oh, that's so reassuring then, like, yeah. to be able to go into that. Um, yeah. I guess what gave you strength in those earlier days of, you know, when you did lose Tommy and mm-hmm. I guess, well, one, having to deal with that mentally yourself but also explaining, you know, having a toddler who's, Mm. been so excited about having a a brother Mm. where did you where did you find your strength to be honest I'm not sure I definitely didn't have any for the first couple of weeks I just completely fell in an absolute hole where I was just not okay I was extremely grateful for Nick's support I think he just went into like (laughs) fiance mode Mm. to just kind of look after me um so beautiful which is just I would be lost without him. Um, I was very lucky where I had my stepmom here, so she was um, a really, really good support. And then I think I found strength literally sharing. Mm. I um, Once I had shared what had happened, I think it just opened up this enormous amount of um, – in that stage, I think you just want to talk to someone that has gone through – what you're going through and I think what was quite hard for me was because we had lost him at 17 weeks it's called a miscarriage and I kind of struggled working out being like it's a miscarriage but like I gave birth I I held my baby like like he was here so I think by sharing it and like people which again you don't want anyone to ever experience this but like again it is so common but like just talking to other people that had experienced the same thing and the same emotions and the same um, guilt and the same feelings was just really, really nice for me. And I think it was nice that we could both, like I'm talking to like just strangers on my social media and like my followers and I just don't think they realise how much they helped me through all that that really hard, hard time. And I think when I was having a really – really bad bad day I'd share something on social media and like it would kind of just give me that little tiny bit of hope and that little bit Mm. more of a step forward to kind of get through yeah Um, so I just found it really really lucky and I felt really lucky to have that platform where I could have done that I could I could do that and the people that came through was just yeah incredible I guess for mums maybe that like, you know, don't have an online community or something, did any of the mums you were talking to kind of explain how they got through it if, if it wasn't with an online community? Because I know it can be such a taboo topic sometimes or things that people don't want to share externally, but, you know, like you said, there is, there is power sometimes in, in sharing and speaking about it. Absolutely. And that's what I found. And I found really, really sad was like, I had a number of messages being like, I hadn't, I wasn't able to really talk about it. And I, Mm. but again, like some people might not want to talk about it, but I feel like 
you do like you you had a baby and you you gave birth or you you bled or you had so much hope and so much plan and like that baby was like in your mind for like that was your future it was meant to be so when you lose a baby you just feel very like very lost and very isolated and you're just not sure again who the right people are to talk to because you can obviously you have the support around you and you can have really good friends but also then you feel like you're a burden because you're so upset and like they haven't been through what you've been through and it's hard to talk to people sometimes and like you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable because it is so it's such an awful thing to kind of go through like you don't know the right thing to say and you don't know what the right way is to support that person so I found that a lot of people did reach out and just say that they hadn't been able to have the support that they kind of hoped for and that it was nice that I was sharing it because of what they went through or even just I feel really glad that I can help some other people that haven't experienced it but they know someone going through it so just like I've had a number of messages be like I'm sorry to reach out to you Amelia she's like but I don't know what to do or how to support my friend through this what's the right thing to say what's the right thing to do but then they'll be like I'm so sorry if you don't want to answer this question but she they do and I was just like even for you to reach out to me and say that that's just being an incredibly good friend to know to do that um because it is one of those really hard things and um it was nice that people reach out and and say that and I guess what is your advice in those moments when people do ask? Because, yeah, I know it's it's a really hard topic for a lot of people to approach mm. and words are something that people are like, I know, I know definitely firsthand, like you're so conscious of what you're going yeah. to say because you don't want to say the wrong thing. But knowing that not saying anything at all is, is so much worse. And that's the thing that's hard is like you kind of, and like I would do the same if I hadn't, I hadn't experienced it and, I know now that I think I would just kind of do some research or like just Google and just be like, what is the right thing to say or what is the right thing or how I can support a friend or a family member through this? Or I think even just the best thing to say, even if like you said, like silence is the worst. I feel Mm. like people that don't reach out and people that don't say anything because they're too scared to say something I think that's probably the worst because I got to a point where I was just like why isn't this why haven't they messaged me why haven't they reached out like I had one text message from them and then I don't hear from them for two weeks Mm. like it's kind of like I found that the hardest yeah where I think even just people just messaging through and just being like I'm thinking of you or a message even just a message a day to just send a love heart to or to just something to just know that you're in their thoughts and that they're there whenever you're ready to speak with them. Um, I think you just need to give that person just that reassurance that you are always there, but you're not going to like be too much and like, yes, I don't know, just those, those small little things. And I think to just kind of say, like, I can't understand what you're, Like I don't understand how you're feeling, but I'm here to support you however I can. Just even little things like that. And, yeah, just like sending love or whatever. But, again, like I think the silence thing is probably the worst. Well, that's what I found because then it just makes you sit there and just think that you've 
to send me one text message and then you've just forgotten about me and you've moved yeah. on with your life, which is completely fine. But yeah. um, almost like a tick of the box, like they've done that, and then that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then yeah. you're still sitting here in the same grief as how you felt when mm. you lost him. Um, yeah. You just kind of learn to deal with the grief. Like it yeah. still feels as worse as it was, but I'm just managing it a lot better. Babe, thanks so much for sharing that. I know it's, yeah, still so raw for you, but yeah, yeah you're just you. doing thanks such a- Thanks for letting a, me. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, of course. I, you're just doing such a wonderful job of, yeah, really sharing the rawness and showing mm. that, you know, you are still struggling. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm just really grateful that you were able to share that because I know how many women it will help. And I think yeah. even too, if they haven't lost just- having a clearer insight into what you actually go through as a yeah. mum who has who has lost a baby and Thank you. that advice and what to say. Yeah. yeah. And I think even just like following up and asking, like even on like special dates and stuff, like mm. or like their due date or like just kind of like even just remembering those little things, I think it's just yeah. such a big thing for that person in that time for ha- yeah. to have someone kind of remember those little things and yeah. – um, yeah, I think that's a big one too. I guess to finish on a bit of a brighter note, a, what does the future look like for you? What's ahead? <laughs> so ahead, I Nick and I would obviously really love to have another baby. So now that we've gotten everything all cleared and all okay to kind of start trying again, I think we would really like to start trying. We've recently obviously got engaged, so we will be planning a wedding too at that point, oh, but I think we so have planned exciting. to have a baby first before the wedding. Yeah. Um, and we would obviously really like to buy a house at some point, but <laughs> I feel like we've got too many things going on. Um, <laughs> but that would be really, really great to actually have like a family home for us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to just be really happy and to have yeah be healthy and happy (laughs) oh babe thank you so much for joining me I yeah I always love your energy I wish I could be around you more hopefully now that lockdown's over (laughs) Um, thank you for having me it's always a pleasure connecting with you so thank you so much for your time today of course thank you for having me (laughs) thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review for any products mentioned in today's show please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.